Well, Psalm 17 is our text this evening. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me there. To Psalm 17, we're going to be considering the first five verses this evening. Hear now the holy, the inspired, the inerrant, and infallible Word of God, written for you and for me today. A prayer of David. Hear a just cause, O O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Indeed, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, beloved in Christ, the opinions and courts of men are often unjust and evil. They are often easily swayed in ungodly ways. The pursuits of wicked men are are just as evil. And yet, we well know that they press hard and harder against the people of God. In many of the Psalms that we've already considered, we know the backdrop of them is David writing in the midst of persecution by Saul and other enemies. Psalm 17 was written in the same context. Again, we find David fleeing and crying out to the Lord in his time of distress, And his plea is for personal vindication and protection and deliverance. David's enemies attacked his integrity. They attacked his character. Remember how similar personal attacks were brought against the Apostle Paul. And they were brought so in many ways by some in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, we read there, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, Paul says who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. These are Paul's words to Corinth. And what did Paul do? He submitted himself and the evaluation of his service to the Lord, who is the faithful judge. And we find David doing the same thing here, don't we, in Psalm 17, as he submits himself in covenant to the heart-searching God. 
As we walk through these verses tonight, let's look at David's plea for God to hear his just cause in the first two verses. His being tested, visited, and tried in verse 3. And David's being kept away from the paths of the destroyer in verses 4 and 5. So as we begin, take note that we've considered psalms, meditations, and even a mictum of David. We're told specifically here that this is a prayer of David. Keep in mind that the the book of Psalms is really a prayer book as well as a book of songs. And so we read in verse 1, he He opens this by saying, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. David prays, beloved, that God will listen to him. Give attention to to hear the details of his case and to find his cause to be just. This was his desire. But further... He desired God to pronounce judgment in his favor. And notice that in David's own awareness and self-examination, he knew that he wasn't saying one thing when his heart knew another to be true. He wasn't saying one thing when his heart knew another to be true. He wasn't acting like the world. He wasn't acting like Saul and his enemies in this matter. His plea and his cry to the Lord in prayer was sincere. Now, David isn't denying that he's a sinner. However, he did reject the specific charges against him. The psalmist in Psalm 120, verse 2, prayed that that God would deliver him from deceit, saying, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. In Proverbs 4, verse 24, it says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Beloved, we know well the temptation in our flesh to have deceitful lips and lie as we try to self-preserve, as we try to minimize and and cover what we truly think, especially when we're confronted or when we feel under attack. But yet in humility before the Lord, we must put that away. We must put off such an old man's mouth and be completely honest before the great and living God and when we come to him. Notice that's what David said. He said, my lips are not deceitful, O Lord. The all-searching God, the heart-searching God indeed knew that, but David confessed it nonetheless. As I I consider myself, as I consider what I've said and done, as I I consider the situation, as I present my cause before you, O Lord, I'm not lying. And so... David continues in his prayer to say in verse 2, Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. My friends, as David was before the tribunal of God in prayer, 
He expressed his desire to receive speedy judgment. As God looked upon what was upright and made his divine determination. And David made such a plea because he knew that the Lord had done three things. Look at verse 3, and specifically 3a. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. If you think about it and you look at verses 2 and 3, even in verse 1 you see David's self-examination, but you also see David's consideration and knowledge of God's examination. He begins with divine testing of the heart, doesn't he? And what does it mean that God tested David's heart? Scripture teaches us that God tests hearts. We see, for example, in Proverbs 17, verse 3, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Testing, beloved, is the language of examination and purification. Like the dross is burned off to make the silver and gold more pure in the refiner's fire, God purifies our hearts through testing, getting more and more of the sin out. We don't put the human heart or even the spiritual heart, through a literal furnace like gold and silver. But God does put our hearts through the refiner's fire, his divine refiner's fire, getting more of the sin out of our hearts and lives, making us more pure as he sanctifies us. Peter speaks to this in 1 Peter 1, verse 7. He says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We, we see this, this time and this process, don't we? That our faith is tested. That it's going through the refiner's fire. But there's a purpose for it. There's a God-honoring and God-glorifying purpose for it that he would receive the glory all the way and at the end. Notice that it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ when Christ returns. Further, we see God declare that he searches the hearts of men and tests minds in Jeremiah 17. In Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, we read this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If you stopped at that verse, you may be scratching your head and saying, Man, that's a good question. In fact, I can't really think of anybody who can know it on this earth or from a humanly perspective, and that's not good. But keep reading in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, 
even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. The Lord knows the heart. He searches even the darkest of hearts. Nothing is hidden from the living God. He tests the minds as well. And so we see this divine testing of the heart. But David also speaks of divine visitation. Remember how David said in Psalm 16, verse 7, that he was thankful for the Lord's counsel. We just considered that last week. His heart instructed him in the night seasons, David said, if you recall. He considered the counsel even while he was on his bed at night, away from the pressures of the world, away from the pressing of the wicked, as he was on his bed with himself, by himself at night, he considered the word of the Lord. David seriously here reviewed the actions of his life to discover what was wrong or in error, but, but could find nothing of that which his enemies had charged him with. Remember, Saul and his enemies had levied several charges against him, but none of which really stuck or took or stuck. Right, And here David had submitted to God's search and inspection. Divine inspection, thorough inspection, the most thorough inspection that there ever could be. There's no hidden place. There's no skeleton-packed closets. God searches every minute place, nook, cranny, detail. Again, during the night, while he was alone in his bed, David said that this happened, this this visitation occurred. But there was also, thirdly, divine trial, he says. David was also put through the paces of trial by God, like, like a goldsmith, severely and accurately trying metal. Many of you have probably seen videos on the internet or YouTube of a goldsmith whacking in a, in, on metal and pounding it on an anvil, trying it, turning it, trying it again. David's message is clear here. The search was complete. The examination thorough. The trying severe. And not only did David have a clear conscience from, from his own perspective after all of this, but he knew the outcome of God's threefold work. The verdict was not guilty. Again, he was a great sinner. But he wasn't guilty of the charges that were levied against him. Beloved, every believer should desire to be examined by God and found innocent even of charges that wicked men lay against us. In Psalm 139, verse 23, well-known passage, let it resound freshly in your ears and heart tonight. Search me, O God, and know my heart, David said. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the cry and the plea of a sinner 
a redeemed sinner who knows himself and knows his God. A sinner who invites and welcomes the searching eye and gaze of God. And for sinners who are apart from God, that is a terrifying thing. But for sinners who are part of God's family, it is a welcome thing. We know that we need it. We desire it. We want it. And why? Because we want to be pure before the Lord. We want to be faithful to the Lord. We want what God wants in sin being out of our lives. And so we beseech him, search me. Know my heart. In fact, try me and know my worries. Know all of my fears. And see if there is anything that is against your law, anything that is a violation of your word, which would therefore be anything that is wicked in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. There may very well be, Lord, in fact, there probably is. But lead me in your way. And lead me away from my own. In Job 23, verse 10, we read this. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Hmm. God knows the way that we are traveling. He tests us in the way. But know and see the confidence of Job here. How is he going to come out of this? As gold. There's no question. Am I going to be tossed with the dross? Am I going to be anything less than the gold that is of complete and precious value? Even similar and metaphorically pointing to the very preciousness that we are to the Lord as his children. No. I shall come forth as gold. In considering this, David was mindful to be wise and restrained with his words. Look at the second half of verse 3b in Psalm 17. He says, I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. David was so far from acting like Saul. He was so far from acting like his enemies that he was careful not to sin against Saul with his mouth, though Saul had wrongfully accused him. David was mindful, and he utilized restraint by the grace of God. But he was also kept from the paths of the destroyer, he says, beginning in verse 4. Look there. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. David may have endured much temptation, many lures to follow and to be like worldly men. To be like Saul in return. Or to be like Saul to other men. 
But considering how wicked, perverse, and unreasonable they are, David was given grace to take care in the ordering of his actions. See the pattern here in this psalm so far regarding lips. David didn't speak to the Lord with lying lips. When he did speak, it was with restrained lips. And further, David proclaimed the work of the word of divine lips in the second use of the law, as it served as a curb to restrain David so that he stayed away from evil paths. We really see that here. The second use of the law in action here as a curb to David to restrain evil coming out of his mouth. If you read my midweek devotion this past week, it was really touching on this very subject in young men. Consider the focus text for a moment. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9. How can a young man, a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And let's continue in the context. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Beloved, how can young men restore purity in their lives and get right with God? Taking heed, intentional obedience, intentional obedience to and and, and guarding their lives according to God's word. According to his law. Notice that David was thankful for God's law, for it kept him away from the paths of the destroyer. Know that the Hebrew word for destroyer here, it means the violent one. And though David is likely speaking of the destroyer being Saul and his cohorts, We know Scripture teaches us that Satan is the ultimate destroyer who seeks to destroy God's people. We know that Satan works through wicked people. And we know that he makes and sets the lures and traps for the paths that lead to death and destruction. Remember Solomon's words to his son in Proverbs 1 verse 10. And kids, listen to this. All of us need to listen to these words. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And after he gives details of what they do and their true intentions in verses 11 through 14, in verses 15 and 16, Solomon gives the needed exhortation. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. That's what they do, and that's what they want you to do with them. But we will not consent. And neither should you, young men. So David was kept from the destroyer's paths and was established in the paths of another beautifully. Look at verse 5. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. 
See David's desire to be preserved and upheld. Preserved and upheld. He knew that if he walked the path without God's work, he would slip. And indeed, we would slip if our feet are not firmly on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Praise God that they are. In Psalm 119, again, many verses later, beginning in verse 132, we read this. Look upon me and be merciful to me, as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes, because men do not keep your law. Oh, that godly men would have that type of view and response today. The tears would flow from our eyes like rivers, because of those that we see that do not keep God's law. And so this is a lovely prayer, a wonderful and needed prayer to be taught by the Lord and His precepts, to be taught His law, to be, to be students at the feet of Jesus, to, to sit like His disciples on the mountain, and to be fed and nurtured by Him in the truths of His law and the beauty of His law, that we would delight in His law and that we would be so far from ever wanting to turn from it to break it because we see the wonder, the beauty, the holiness of it because it is the very law of God. And so the prayer is there. Direct my steps, for if I direct them, they're going the other way. Let not iniquity have dominion over me. Beloved, praise the Lord for Jesus Christ and his work for sin does not have dominion over you. You are no longer in bondage to it. And therefore, we must not act as if we are. For the Redeemer has set you free. You are under his dominion. You have liberty in Christ to serve and to please him and to be faithful to him. And to run far from sin. And so we, as we consider David's desire and his call for the Lord to uphold his steps, know the wonderful confirmation of the Lord's work to uphold and to give and guard and preserve. We see this in, in Proverbs chapter 2 again, beginning in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk uprightly. And notice verse 8, he guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. Praise the Lord. 
When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of, right, of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. That's a wonderful passage to meditate on. Packed passage. But God guards and he preserves your way, beloved. My friends, we well know that we are sinners who never claim to be sinless. We are sinners who sin all too often and therefore also have the need to repent and reconcile equally as often. And in light of this, how comforting it is to us to to have a clear conscience like David before the Lord as we can see the gracious work of Jesus Christ through the Spirit in us, especially when we're wrongly accused. Being wrongly accused is very hard on many levels. Many of you may know that tonight. It weighs down even the toughest of men. And yet, we have a clear conscience before the Lord regarding such charges. We see how we can stand in Christ in the midst of such things. Praise the Lord who searches you, who visits you, who counsels you, and tries you. Praise your God for for not rejecting and tossing you with all of your impurities, but rather He embraces you, He purifies you, and He upholds you. What what a merciful and compassionate God we have. This is the God of love and redemption who takes sinners like you and me and doesn't just toss us into the trash when we were under his condemnation and his wrath. But yet because we are his, he embraces us and he makes us clean and he upholds us. I finally encourage you tonight, considering these words and these verses, delight in the law of God and be well familiar with it. Study it, know it, and be restrained by it, that you too would be kept from the paths of the destroyer, that you too would stay clear from the bloody, dark, and guilty way, and rather Be upheld and guarded in the paths of righteousness and uprightness for the honor and glory of Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you for your wonderful work and promises here to us. We thank you for your Spirit's work that changes us, 
that molds us and shapes us and makes us different than who we were, that causes us to desire you and your way, that causes us to desire to walk faithfully with you and not with the wicked. O Lord, preserve us and uphold us, we pray. Keep us and guard us. Where there is wickedness in us, Lord, we pray that you would get it out and lead us in the way of everlasting. Guide us in your path and uphold our steps. For your glory, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.